This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Bell, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan of Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan of Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, we, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the film takeaways here shortly from the Lions game. But uh, before we dive into some Cowboys news and some of the things like that, your, your overall takeaways from the uh, ceremony of Jimmy Johnson getting inducted into the Ring of Honor. Yeah, I feel like uh, my time with the Green Bay Packers put him in the, uh, into the, uh, hall, uh, the Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame, you did all it. those things. We never could beat Jimmy Johnson. Um, tremendous evaluator of talent. I, I was talking with Chris Hall about him a while back, and and – you know, one of the things that that Chris was always as a as a scout, you you just love being around coaches that know players, that appreciate the process, that understand understand what scouts go through, that will listen to a scout, will have his own opinion, won't phone scout. You know, uh, those are a lot of things about about Jimmy Johnson that I would have loved to work for Jimmy Johnson. I'm sure um, there was times he would have been very demanding. Uh, to challenge you, and but you know those are all great things. Um, I, I just think that if you look at those teams that he built along with Jerry Jones and the scouting department here, that it was always a team. It was it was always it appeared to be a deep team when you played them. They, they just you know whether you try to stop Emmett Smith, you know there's Jay Novacek, there was Michael Irvin, there was uh, Alvin Harper, there was Troy Aikman, there was always geez, I mean they they it just shows you how deep. They beat us, you know, with Jason Garrett at quarterback. And, you know, and I mean, I'll never forget Ron Wolf, my boss. We're driving home at the, you know, at the end of the game and we're on the bus. And he goes, geez, we just got beat by a Sandlot quarterback. And, you know, in, in reality, it that just showed you how deep um, the 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 Dallas Cowboys were. And a lot of a lot of that was because of the evaluations of, 
of Jimmy Johnson, the staff, and the, the, the ability of theirs to build a team that was so difficult to deal with. Just uh, on, you know, anytime you knew you were playing the Cowboys, whether it was a regular season game or a playoff game, uh, there was good possibility that you were going to fly home that day, probably with a loss. You know, it was uh, it was only when they when Jimmy left that they they lost that evaluation. Good teams, but they you know they lost that that guy that drove the team and was really the primary evaluator and 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 builder and architect of the team. A, a, a tremendous honor for him. Probably a little bit later than he wanted, but ultimately he got in. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you talk about the talent on those teams. You know who I always uh, I, I like to point to. When I talk about the talent on the 90s teams, and I understand one or two of these guys aren't even going to be guys that were Jimmy players, but the the guys that I always point to whenever somebody says, uh, you know, if somebody would ask, well, how talented were those Cowboys teams? Just how good were they? I will point to three players for you. Brock Marion, Ron Stone, and Jimmy Smith. Pro bowlers who had a hell of a time just trying to get on the field to play yeah. in front of those guys in the nice. Brock Marion became a starter a little bit later, but Ron Stone got cut after two years. Jimmy Smith yeah. couldn't get any work at all on I the team. With, those are guys who go on to be pro bowlers, best players on their team types. Yeah, I, I was I was with Jimmy Smith uh in Jacksonville. And I will say this about Jimmy Smith. If you said Give me the 10 best, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, I'm, I would need to absolutely come up with my 10 best, but if you said, give me your 10 best players you've ever been around in your career, Jimmy Smith would be one of those players. You know, when him and Sterling Sharp, you talk about receivers, and, you know, that, that, that's the kind of player that they were, you know, they, were, they had here. And you're absolutely right. The Brock Marion, the Ron Stones, you know, they, they were – they went on to be really good players for other teams. For the Cowboys, they, they were just kind of like just in case. And just in case didn't get you on the field. Yeah, absolutely. A, a incredibly impressive squad. It, it's fun every now and then. If you just go back and look at those 92, 93 mm. teams, just look at how many names you know that weren't starting, yeah. that, that ended up having careers elsewhere outside of Dallas. So a uh, great honor for uh, Jimmy Johnson on Saturday night. A great event. That stadium was just as loud as we all anticipated. And the Cowboys got a 20 to 19 victory, which we'll take a look at uh, some of the takeaways from the film room following that game. Before we do, there are several different developments on the uh, news front for for the Cowboys. Uh, the, The biggest one being that Lyle Collins is back. He is signed to the practice squad. Uh, he's been out of football for the last several months, um, but the Cowboys signed him to the practice squad as some offensive line depth. I, I was I was starting to to wonder. I don't know if you caught the Jerry interview this morning, uh, mm-hmm. Brian, but but we we asked him. We were like, "Hey, uh, you guys looking on the landscape of any offensive line depth or anything?" I, I was getting a sense something might be might be stirring there a little bit, Brian, and and ultimately it ends up with Lyle Collins back there. They also work out Damian Wilson. Uh, another uh, former Cowboy player, linebacker, uh, some depth there that he does not get signed, at least not right now. Right. Um, and then really quickly, we'll touch on after the, the Lyle Collins stuff, the, the news that Dalvin Cook is free because there's a lot of people asking about him. Yeah, he's uh, not now on waivers people... yet. He's not right, on waivers right, yet. Right, right, but, he, but he'll, he'll, he'll come up. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't anticipate somebody's going to claim him. Um, so, so we'll talk about just in general the player here in a sec, as well as Isaiah Bugs, who just came through town with the Lions. Uh, but before we do that, 
uh, Lyle Collins. Interesting move. They obviously had moved on from him from tackle. I think they felt like, uh, you know, I remember at the time asking somebody in the organization, okay, why not kick him inside the guard maybe? Why not do some stuff there? And they felt like he had lost his ability to bend, yeah. Um, yeah. which they, they felt like was really important inside there. Um, and so ultimately, though, I, I think as a low risk, high reward, he's just taken up a practice squad spot. There's, there's not a lot to dislike about this move. Go ahead. Take the gamble in a league that's starved of offensive line depth. Sure. Go, go get me another, you know, another body to throw out there and, and see if you can make it work. Yeah. The, the biggest questions about him, Bobby, was going to be when they did the workout, what kind of shape was he in? Uh, you have to worry about a knee reconstruction. You have to worry about a back that he's dealt with. But we're talking about a practice squad player here right now. Uh, You know, we're not talking about a guy that's going to have to make a start against the commanders or a guy that's going to have to make a start in the first round of the the playoffs. Um, You know, there's a lot of love in this organization for Lyle Collins. Your quarterback loves him. Yeah, the quarterback loves him. Uh, You know, you talk to people throughout either scouting, training, uh, equipment. It, 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 this guy had a lot of people that really, really cared about him as a person and as also as a player. Um, the thought here is clearly, you know, Will McClay, Stephen Jones, it's about protecting yourself. We went through the whole thing with Tyron Smith being out. Okay. Yep. We went through that. Chuma Adoga is dealing, was dealing with a toe injury. You know, I mean, were you, you know, Matt Willetsko is on, and and you know, and uh, awesome Richards and stuff. The thing that the thing that Lyle Collins potentially could do is he could start one or two games right now. I mean, you know, you're you're not asking him to, you're not asking him to start sixteen games now. You're potentially asking him to play one or two games if he had to. You know, that's what you're asking, and. You know, if something happens to Tyron Smith and they don't want to move, they don't want to move, um, you know, Tyler Smith. And I was told that the, 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 the Lyle Collins was for tackle reasons and not for guard reasons, not for Tyler which, Smith. Which fits what we had heard yeah. like well, when he yeah, left, exactly. it, which was they just didn't feel like he had the bend to be able to play guard. Exactly. So with that being said, could he play right tackle and could they move Terrence Steele to left tackle if they had to? You know, that's, that's, you know, I think playing Lyle Collins on the right side is probably the best side for him. But it, it would give you some flexibility um, if you wanted to. And this might be more about, again, some Chuma Adoga, that maybe after that Miami game, there's a little bit of doubt about Chuma, maybe a little doubt about him. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I just kind of feel like that, that, you know, as a practice squad, this is not, this is a, this is really a, you know, this is just kind of a free a free look. And if all of a sudden something happens, you have now a veteran player that can go in there and you know can can give you give you some good work though. Even though he he looked a little broken down. You know, the yeah. Cincinnati looked a little broken down and you know, towards the end of the Cowboys looked a little broken down, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what kind of shape he's in. You know, we'll I'm sure the when we get the opportunity to watch practice and stuff like that, you'll see how he physically looks. I know Patrick Walker, uh, you know, who works at the Star there for DallasCowboys.com, said he saw Lyle Collins. He physically looked good, you know. So I think that, you know, I'm just trusting what Patrick Walker's saying because he does live in the building there. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, 
Lyle Collins had probably developed a little bit of a reputation here, I think, with some of the staff by the end of kind of being an it's always something guy. Yeah. Like he's always banged up or there's just there's something going on. You remember there was the suspension issue, which right. I think really frustrated a lot of people uh, sure. that, that he he tried to appeal instead of taking his two games. Then it ended up being six. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it, it ended in in some some sour taste in their mouths, I think. But again, this is we're talking about just somebody who's a practice squad player, and you can you can smooth over a lot of things. Bryce Butler went on first take and just ripped the coaching staff, and eight months later was back in the locker room. You know when they needed receiver help off the yeah. street. So yeah. uh, you you can cover a lo- over a lot of sins. Uh, they did not sign Damian Wilson, a guy who had been in the building. Uh, you know, the past couple of years went off to Kansas City, played there, played a little bit in Carolina last year. He's right. been out of the league since then. Um, so they did not sign Damian Wilson, linebacker. Now there's a lot of questions. Uh, the Jets are moving on from Dalvin Cook at running back. Uh, and the Detroit Lions made an interesting move to move on from Isaiah Bugs. Man, that's surprising. I thought Bugs looked good on tape when we were studying them leading yeah, up to I, the game. I had, I had no problem with what was going on at defensive tackle for – the Detroit Lions, and maybe this thing with Bugs is that something had to happen or Dan Campbell is trying to send a message to the players. And, man, I, I'm trust me, I'm going to go back and look at Bugs a little bit closer in that game against the Cowboys, but that's a 330-pound man that moves around pretty good. He's got some sneaky quickness to him, uh, you know, as far as the way you watched him play. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who consistently was playing 20 to 40 snaps. Yeah, today. and they, they've exactly. got a Lee McNeil coming off of uh, mm-hmm. that that they're adding to the active roster. But still, something seems a little off there. But but yeah. Bugs is a guy to consider. We we just mentioned him. Like I said, he was somebody who, when I I saw him on tape, I, I thought like, I okay, that that guy's yeah. I, I mean, he didn't we, strike me. He wasn't a black hole. No, it wasn't like usually. Sometimes you could say, you know, in the game, we were talking about, oh, take advantage of Sutton, the cornerback. You know, yeah. And lo and behold, what happened? They you know, you go after guys like that. But I, I didn't feel like the, the two defensive tackles at all coming into this game for uh, the Lions were a liability at all. And uh, the Dalvin Cook question, we're getting a lot of that. I personally just, I don't think Dalvin Cook changes your running game very much. The Cowboys running game has had their struggles. Jerry Jones told yeah. us on uh, Tuesday morning, it is something he is concerned with right now. Uh, three straight games without 100 yards rushing. That's the first time they've had that happen in a season since 2013. So it's been a while mm-hmm. since the, the Cowboys have had this sort of lack of efficiency. Uh, but I don't think that gets fixed just by adding Dalvin Cook here, who's clearly just not the same player he was three, four years ago. Yeah, I went and watched Dalvin Cook before my show today on 105.3 The Fan, the G-Bag Nation. And I I go, well, Dalvin Cook will feel right right at home if he comes here just watching the way that the Jets were run blocking for him. It seemed like to me it was, you know, we always say in the scouting world, it, world it's uh, tough sledding, and it was some seriously tough sledding for Dalvin Cook. I just don't think he has the juice and the burst that he once had. I know I watched him a little bit in Minnesota. I mean, he had a he had a really good game against Dallas last year where it's, you know, six yards of carry, six and a half yards of carry in that blowout win that the Cowboys had. You know, he's had some really productive games. The Jets didn't give him the ball a whole hell of a lot. He could still catch the ball very, very well. That's something he could do, uh, as we say, well. Um, blitz pickup stuff, he's just not very good at that. He's not. And right now, to be honest with you, Tony Pollard, you can say what you want about Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard is one of the best pass blockers you got 
Which yeah, is hilarious you, because Tony Pollard was one of the worst blitz pickup guys in the my league guy a few years is, ago. My guy is, if you look at the pass that Dak Prescott threw for 21 yards to Cooks, Tony Pollard gave his body up to get that ball completed. I mean, Dallas inside was struggling with the twist. All kinds of things were going wrong. You know, Martin, everybody was having problems. And what did Tony Pollard do? He stepped up and just launched himself into the middle of all that. Yeah. And it's from the theory of if they got to run over you, then it's probably going to take them some time to get to the quarterback. And he did. He sacrificed himself in order to get that ball off. And it was a huge play in the game. And Tony Pollard has become a legitimate, a legitimate weapon as a blitz pickup guy and as a blocker. They need to get him more involved catching the football. Last year he was averaging almost nine, ten yards a catch, and now he's down to five. You know, the screen that they threw to Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn took the ball inside. Deuce, you got to stay outside. Your blocking was all to the outside. Go down the sidelines. You get a block downfield. You know, you 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 went back inside, and then Zach Martin. That's where he was blocking his guy. So you know, it's a nice gain, but Tony Pollard needs to be the one getting those screenplays and stuff. And by the way, the pass that he ran, the that Texas route where you go out, uh, up and then inside like that, um, the angle route, they I guess they would call it too. He got his helmet ripped off, basically. You know I mean? He's literally looking at his ear hole trying to catch the ball. And the officials didn't call that at all. So uh, kind of a tough, tough day, day of running. But Tony Pollard, give him some helmet stickers for some for some legitimately outstanding blocks. Well, let's get into that uh, Lions film and and what was put on tape there in the Cowboys in that twenty to nineteen victory, where there were still some questions about the Cowboys in terms of the the details and the mm. the little things and how much those things could potentially cost them in a playoff game versus how much they actually have improved some of that and are uh, prepared now as it looks like they are in line to take the number two seed in the NFC with a victory over Washington this weekend. Don't take anything for granted, of course. No, hell no. Uh, (laughs) You are listening to the Love the Star. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do the tag. No, no, no. Knock it out. Go ahead. No, no, do the tag. Seriously. You you are listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian. Now hit me with it. What, what, what you got? What you got for me? Well, I, you know the thing. The thing about it is, though, with uh, you know this, it's just to me this the whole thing about you know my 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 the people who follow me on Twitter and, and I thank every one of them. I appreciate that. You know, I answered a question about which team you wouldn't want to play, and I brought up the Rams. You know, and mm. so 
you know, now my timeline's filled with like, oh, you're scared, you're a P word, you're, you know, all this <laughs> stuff. I'm just answering the questions, folks. I really am. I'm just, if folks are nice enough to ask me a question, I try and answer the question. But, you know, I mean, yeah, there's nothing given about going to, because there's two things here with the commanders, and we'll get into it. One, Ron Rivera, this is probably his last game ever coaching. Seriously. Yeah. This is probably his last game. Do I worry about a situation when we saw with Lovey Smith last year in Houston in that final game that they played, where clearly if they lose the game, they have the number one pick, and what do they do? They win the game and they get the second overall pick. You know, if you're commander's ownership and you desperately need a quarterback and you're sitting with the second pick right now, if you win this game, maybe you drop down a little further and then you don't get the quarterback that you absolutely want. You know, so I I would be, if I'm ownership, I'd have to be very mindful of saying, listen, Ron, we need to not win this game. But you can't do that because this is likely going to be Ron Rivera's last game of coaching in the National Football League. I just don't, I don't see Ron Rivera, you know, like saddling up and taking a DC job somewhere. Well, maybe he would, but I, I, I just don't. I, so, you know, he's going to go out and try and win this game. It's a, it's an opponent that absolutely, you know, does, you know, has given you problems in the past, you know, the, the commanders, we're going to get into the last two years have been rough visits there for Dak. Yes. Yes. So to me, I'm not sitting here. Would it, it would be, it would be horrific if the Cowboys had a chance to get the second overall seed and they go and flop against the commanders. Yep. But, but you know what, the way that Dallas has played on the road, you mentioned the attention to detail or lack of at times, the way that they get, you know, the penalties, uh, spotty play, uh, unfortunately fumble the ball out of the back of the end zone, throw an interception late on the outside. You know, there's, you know, this, there's just things that don't, always jime and I, I I'm not going to sit there and act like oh well commanders are a 13 point dog in this game you know this is going to be a tough game it really is I, I'm 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 expecting a a very very physical game from the commanders you know when we talk about the Cowboys and and we'll we'll get into specifics here on the film which we saw against the Lions but I I was talking about this on 105 through the fan on Tuesday morning and I'm I'm curious if you subscribe to this thought to me the Cowboys have a in terms of just talent across the board the Cowboys are a top 5 roster in the yes. NFL like they yes. they're one of the more talented well-balanced teams in the NFL yes. the problem I think is that when it comes to being a disciplined football team, a, a team that's really detail-oriented, I think they're probably in the bottom third in the NFL. They no are one of the worst detail-oriented teams in, I've seen in, in the league this year. No and my question is, is that just sloppiness? Is that something where you kind of are what you are and you're just going to have to pray that in these playoff games you're not getting into a lot of late, close game situations where those details can burn you? Or is that something that you think reasonably, hey, they might be able to clean up some of this down the stretch? I hope they can clean it up, but you're very fortunate you didn't win, didn't lose that game the other day. And, yeah. you and you know, you you they ran the two-point play, and, you know, fortunately it was a penalty. Then what do you do? You back them up, and the first thing you do is dive into the neutral zone. You know, and, and, you, and you pressure – there's incomplete interception there, uh, you know, and you're you're like, damn, that that should have ended it right there. So, you know, they've got to do better. They've got to do better on those details for sure. So, uh, Brian, coming out of this game, it was a twenty to nineteen victory for the Cowboys, and uh, you know, it's a 
a game where after a, a lot of discussion about CeeDee Lamb and how much he was involved and how much he was targeted, he became a focal point once again. Uh, had an absolutely fantastic game, broke Michael Irvin's record for receptions in a season, uh, franchise record for receptions in a season, and the franchise record for receiving yards in a season. Uh, he was really good in this game. Defensively, I thought that the big stars coming out of this one were Jordan Lewis, Donovan Wilson, and Demarcus Lawrence. I thought they made a big impact for you. What stood out for you in this game specifically, good or bad, from the Cowboys? Yeah, we mentioned the blocking from um... – from Tony, uh, from Tony Pollard, I think that helped a lot in the in the game, in the overall game because it was going to be important because of the way the Lions like to blitz secondary guys and then also their linebackers. So great job by Tony helping out there. Ceedee Lamb, that that was a playoff football game, and that just shows you what the game plan needs to be. If seventeen passes need to go towards Ceedee Lamb every game in order for you to win. Throw 17 balls to Stephen Lamb. Just do it. You know, the quarterback, he and the quarterback had that rapport. Just go ahead and do it. I felt like, though, that teams are starting to try and take Jake Ferguson out of the game. They're taking him out of the game by treating him like a wide receiver. Sometimes you're going to see nickel corners go play him in certain down-and-distance situations, I believe. Yeah, he's not going to surprise defenses anymore. No, not anymore. That's so, you know, Ferguson – uh, and and and, I, and then you're asking me about guys that played well, though. You know, Lamb, of course, Dak. I mean, I think there's some throws that Dak would absolutely love to have back. The interception, the interception he had was a reckless throw. It was just a reckless throw. Yeah, he was trying what, to make something happen. He was trying to make something happen. He made something happen in the 92 yard pass. It's amazing how he was able to keep his balance after the hit, get outside the pocket, keep the eyes down the field. And then Lamb to win all the way down the field, he did. But the the pass, the second down pass at the end of the game, you know, I, I guarantee you, if he if if it's if it's Tolbert running, it, Tolbert's running the, the the deep end, and it's past the sticks, it's going to be a first down. And but Dak launches it down to Cooks, but you know Cooks is short uh, down there, so it, I mean they don't get the full route. But I think if it was. If it was Lamb running the in instead of Tolbert, I think Dak probably throws that ball and it's, it's game over. The tripping call was horrible. It kind of set you back uh, uh, that way. But defensively, you mentioned it. Uh, Lewis was outstanding. The interception was a special play on his part to stay at home, reading the back. Montgomery's coming his direction. Stay it was a high home, IQ play. Home. Boom. And all of a sudden, Oso Digizua gets pressure up the middle the ball like and 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 golf just turns and wheels and throws it left. Well, there's there's Lewis. He's seen it. He read the play. He's driving. He makes the interception. Great job, Tank Lawrence. I can't tell you how many times it was Tank. Just his awareness of what the situation is and what the blockers might be doing to him. You know, I I, I think it's incredible. I think there's some gambling going on on the goal line that he pulled off. You know, two guys, him and Clark, both go through the same gap. And when he probably should have gone the other way, but he went behind Glasgow, the center, or excuse me, the guard, because he felt like that he could, he was going to overplay him. He overplayed him. He went back door. Him and Clark go through the same gap. That's usually a recipe for disaster. But anyway, they make it work. Negative plays. You know, that's tank. They, they, you know, they go unbalanced line. They don't block him at all. What does he do? Minus four. That's what you got to have to win these games. And Tank is that guy. Short yardage, goal line, tight tight goal line. 
it doesn't matter. I mean, he is he has this awareness about him uh, to make those plays. So uh, outstanding, outstanding job by him playing in that football game. It's funny. I heard um, Greg Ellis talked uh, one time about how that 07 playoff game against the Giants that, that they lost, um, that the the middle eight, they, they were getting down near the they were getting down near the end of uh, the first half yeah. and the Giants were driving and they were getting ready to score. And Greg Ellis just said that he he was sitting there the whole time going like I got to make a play. Yeah. Like, like like he said he just heard Mike Zimmer and Dave Campo the years of coaching just reverberating in his ear of like you need to make a play right here because you right. cannot let them score. Right. And and how he felt like if if we stop them which the Giants did score there I think they kicked a field goal. Greg Ellis felt like that they they turned the game there with them scoring at the end of the first half. Yeah. And that that's something where where he thought like I got to make a play and and he came up short and he said that's one of his big regrets that he didn't make a play on that drive that he really wanted yeah. to. I bring that up to say I feel like Demarcus Lawrence is the guy that in those situations where it's like got to make a play, got to yeah. make a play. Demarcus Lawrence is going to make the play every yeah. single time. He will. It's not going to be on, on on each single snap, but if there is a drive, if there is a big drive to be had, Demarcus Lawrence is going to flash at least once on that drive. He's going to come up big for you. No, he is. He is really good on twist stunts. He's really good playing the run. He's really, he's got special awareness and instincts and the ability to read the blockers in front of him. That whether they're tipping back, rocking back in their stance for a pass, they got all their weight on their hand, you know, their feet are different. He studies the game, he studies these blockers. Like I say, that play that he made when he goes back door in Glasgow, the guard, that's no, he's. I, I guarantee you, I think I'm 95% right. He was supposed to go front side and take on and shoot that gap. And he saw an opportunity to play back door and get to the and get to the ball quicker by letting Glasgow go past him. And then now he's back door and now he's in on the play. That's just that's just so I mean, it's it, in that situation, you're gambling, you're gambling to make a play. And if you're wrong, it's probably gonna kill you. But more times than not, his gambles pay off. I've seen him. I've seen him play edge and slant all the way down, like into the B gap, to go and just just straight shoot a gap. Just his to, instincts just, are fantastic. It's incredible. Like he understands. And this is what we're talking about: these cowboy linebackers. You know, when when in the Sean Lees and the Dat Wins and the Dexter Coakleys and. These guys and that ability, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, that ability to see formation and understand balls going right there or balls going over here and then getting over there and making a negative play. You know, I remember a game against Philadelphia. Sean Lee made a, a ball. They were through a screen to the outside uh, to Westbrook and, and Sean Lee makes a tackle for minus five and it knocks Philadelphia out of field goal range. You know, I mean, that's the kind of – those are the kinds of plays – that you got to have to win games like you did against Detroit and going forward when you know you get into the first round, second round, and and on. Big victory, certainly not without its warts uh, over the Detroit Lions, but a big yeah. victory nonetheless. And now puts you in a position after the Cardinals take care of the Eagles Amazing. for you to uh, you know beat the Commanders and take this number two seed and not have to see the San Francisco 49ers to the until the NFC title game and and get the opportunity for somebody else to potentially knock them off. Uh, a great series of events, a, a fortunate 
turn of events here for the Cowboys in the schedule late in the season. You are listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. We're going to turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners, get their thoughts, their questions, their comments, their concerns. Uh, First one from Alan Harrison. The defense has been playing good, but it's getting torched on the last drives uh, Mm. for two games in a row. Is there anything to it? Any long-term concern with seeing them break at the very end? They didn't get pressure on that final drive against the Lions. They did a couple of different things, Alan. They, um, They went into a situation where... When you play, when you play, um, there was what one forty-one left in the game, I believe at the time. Yep. They they did something. They probably it was probably too early to do. Now, first off, they probably Dallas once they got that interception on defense, they probably didn't think they were going to have to go back out there. You know, they were probably mm-hmm. thinking this one's over. Oh, let's take a breath. You know, and now they get put back out there with a minute forty left, minute forty-one left in the game. All right. Quinn comes out, and we've seen this at training camp, Bobby, where he guards the sidelines. No timeouts, you know, guard the sidelines. Okay, so you have drop, then widen to guard. So now you got guys along the sidelines to don't make let him sure. Get, get don't let him get out of bounds. Don't let him get out of bounds. Okay, at 141, that's, that's a long time. I, you know, I could understand if, like, what the situation Arizona was in yesterday against Philadelphia – where they went, they you know where they had twenty something seconds left and no timeouts. That's when you play funnel defense, and I think Dan went to it a little early. So it's the first first play they get a huge chunk. I mean, ten yard play down the middle of the uh, the uh, the field there. So now it's okay. Well, let's not do that. Bad idea. So they come back. What do they do the next time? Then they get a situation where they play cover two. And then both safeties are on the numbers, not on the hash, on the numbers. Mm-hmm. So you got you got a defense that is stretched horizontally, and then you've got what do you got? The tight end goes up, peels aside, boom, ball right there. You know, now it's another chunk play. You know, now now you're you're thinking like, okay, so what does Dan do the next time? Well, they get in a situation where they need to kind of take care of the crossing routes. Okay, they play with a robber. They play like a cover two and then drop the 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 safety into the middle area there and try and take care of things. Okay, well, you know, they get a ball knocked down there. A little bit better situation. Still have no pass rush the whole time. Still no pass rush here. And then they and then they all of a sudden they say, Okay, well, we're gonna play we'll play curse on Laporta. Laporta shakes him, you know, like gets him go outside, gets his weight, outside foot, breaks inside. Boom, ball inside, big play there again. So now you're in real trouble. You've given up some plays. There's been some spikes. You know, they're down there, and then they throw the ball out in the flat to St. Brown, and they had coverage problems with Gilmore, and those guys over there in the secondary were all kind of struggling with where, you know, they needed to be. Ball gets in the end zone. He tried three different things on that drive to slow down Detroit. None of them worked. None of them worked. And a lot of that had to do with you were pressuring golf the whole game. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Not on that drive. And, you know, I think he went a little early to the sideline guard. Uh, he got burned on the uh, he got burned on the two wide safeties. He got beat on putting curse on Laporta. 
you know, there, there was a lot of a lot of things that I think that he probably learned that he doesn't need to do um, anymore uh, that way. Uh, next question here from John. You know, Sorry, we've that talked was a about long answer no, about no, no. That. that was good. We, we, yeah. We've uh, we've talked recently about the Mozzie Smith weight loss and uh, <laughs> where he's at now, uh, which they got him him playing rather svelte. Uh, yeah. Brian, John wants to know what position are they grooming Mozzie for next year? Is this a case where they're just getting him ready to play three technique instead of one? I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I, I know he looks small on tape and that's why I asked somebody and now it's I, I don't, I don't like, think you have him. I don't think you have him drop realistically. No, th- no. this is just, I'm throwing out my own number here. 30. I, I don't think you have him drop 30 pounds. If you plan on him being a, pure I think one he's dropped close to 40. I think he has two. I'm just trying to to be yeah. generous there, but I don't think yeah. you have him drop 30 unless you're trying to have him play quicker and get upfield and play more yeah. of a, a. Well, that's the whole thing. They're they're trying to get him to play quicker, but he's got to learn to play quicker off the snap. He's got to learn. Yeah, it's, to, it feels like it, instincts more than weight. Yes, 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 it does. But yeah, I mean, but you know, the, he might be in a situation too where they were trying to play him next to, you know, they've got Osa that plays really well at the three. But, you know, you drafted Mozzie Smith to be a 329-pound or 325-pound one technique. Space eater. Space eater. He's not that anymore. He's not even an eater, you know? <laughs> it's impressive how much weight he's lost. But for, for him to lose all that weight, he's not the player that you drafted for Michigan. It's just not – that's not the same guy. But if it's to make him play faster and all that, I understand – but I don't think I would have done that in. Uh, I don't think I would have done that this season. I would have kind of waited to the off season, and maybe they feel like that him playing at a lighter weight will will help him be a better player in the future. He was a pretty good player at Michigan. I'm I'm interested to see uh, you know where this is going. But to answer the question, uh, at 293 pounds or so, I'd say he's probably working to him playing a three technique. That would be our, what I'm groom. I think they're grooming him for. Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you're talking about making him that light, there's clearly you're, you're trying to get him to be quicker up the field mm-hmm. rather than try and, you know, eat space yeah. in the gaps and keep linebackers clean. Uh, next question here from Clint Baldwin. Uh, he wants to know about he, he thinks we're really missing George Edwards right now on the coaching staff. And uh, I saw a couple different questions about the, mm-hmm. the linebackers coaches. Uh, any long-term concern for you about the, uh, the linebacker group? Do you, do you think they're missing the George Edwards, uh, that, that George Edwards decision was, was one that's yeah. hurting them a little bit now. I love George. George and I were together on the early, when I was in Dallas in the early two thousands and I've always had the utmost respect for George. I think George was really surprised that he got let go. George got caught in a prisoner for prisoner swap as well. I was going to say, I think Dan Quinn was surprised he got let go. Yeah, I think that to me, and I don't think I'm saying anything that's a secret, you know, you had some guys that, you know, know, Jerry Jones is, okay, what does Rob Davis do here? Oh, okay. I don't think I want to do this with Rob Davis anymore. Well, what did Mike McCarthy counter? Well, I don't think Leon Lett, I don't want Leon Lett around anymore, you know? Well, what about this guy? I don't want. How about the how about the line coach? I I don't know about having this line coach here. Well, if you don't want the line coach around here, I'll just take George and and I'll skip Pete and whoever else. You know, I think there was a lot of a lot of pissing contest. I think there was some prisoner for prisoner. I'm you know what? I'm probably way wrong, but it just seemed like to me Jerry lost some guys and Mike McCarthy lost some guys, and you know and. 
you know, it, it uh, you know, Scott McCurley is, you know, you know, coaching the running backs. That's kind of a shock. Uh, you know, my guy who was coaching the Jeff line- Blasco's coaching the running back. I'm sorry, Blasco coaching McCurley coaching the linebackers. I'm sorry. Thanks for catching that, Bob. Yeah, you know, but which which I I do want I do want to give one thing to to Scott McCurley. He has not had the linebacker personnel he thought he was going to no, have. Hell no, hell no. He, he, so, no, no. So, I mean, I'm, he, I'm trying to give the guy. Yeah, I'm trying to give. Yeah, the yeah. They've been they've been very depleted. He he he, he, he planned not, on having yeah. Leighton Van Der Esch and yes. Demarvian Overshone. Yes, his yes, he did. He did. And it's not you know it's not his fault, but it's just it, it's funny that McCarthy. I mean, he had a bunch of these guys that kind of got demoted, and then all of a sudden it turned into we're starting to move away from guys, and all those guys got elevated again. You know, so that's uh, it's uh, it is it. But McCurley has not, to his credit, he's done the best he can with playing with those hybrid players the way they have. Last question here from Casey. Uh, we already know you're you, you've got a little bit of concern with the Los Angeles Rams, Brian. I do. Uh, but what is your ideal Week One matchup for the Cowboys in the playoffs? So if these seeds, to, to me, it's obvious. I would love it if the Vikings could sneak in there and get you the seven seed because I'd Even like the Vikings to go up with no quarterback. Yeah, yeah, no quarterback. T.J. Hawkinson's gone. Yes, Justin Jefferson's been banged up a lot yes. of this year. Yes, uh, but which, by the way, I think Kevin O'Connell deserves a ton of credit for even having that team competitive right now. Yeah, with all the the losses that they've taken. Uh, but give me the Vikings outside of the Vikings. If you're telling me the realistic options are going to be Seahawks, Rams, Packers, out of those teams. Probably the Packers, I think, is who I want to see. Uh, I would go. You know? I would go. I, I, I don't want to deal with Seattle. And here, here, you say this, and now people's going to call you a P word and all this stuff. You know, my most favorable matchup is Green Bay, is what I'll say. Yeah, I mean, to me, playing Green Bay seems like with no Aaron Rodgers, I'll take my chances. Now they, you know, they, they can Jordan Love's the been really good the last several weeks. He has. He has. You know, you and you've, you know, you've got to. You got to kind of figure out, you know, you're going to Mike McCarthy probably will overthink that game. You know, it'll be one of those deals. But I think if I had to handicap it, I'd go Green Bay. I would then go Seattle, and I think I think the Rams. I people are, people are like, oh, the Rams got almost got beat by the Giants. Go back and watch the watch the the Rams play the the Ravens, and you tell me if there's anybody this year, maybe the exception of Balt uh, of excuse me of Cleveland. That's played the Ravens as good as the Rams played them. Yeah, the, should have beat them. This is like three weeks ago. This ain't yeah. no. This ain't no week four or week two. This is this is at the end of the year. Rams flew all the way across the country and played a one o'clock game in Baltimore, and were a punt return away from walking out of that 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 bank place as a with a victory. M and T Bank. Yeah, I'm glad you knew the name. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Everybody's like, oh, the Rams, well, they almost lost to the Giants. Go watch. Go watch them play the Ravens. It's a different football and team right now. Circle back after you talk. Yeah. You want to deal with uh, with Puka Nakua and those guys. And everybody say, yeah, we, we whipped them pretty good when we played them the first time. Hey, they were missing some cats. They, that running back, Williams, he wasn't playing. You know? Different football the team. Like, that guy, that guy he's, he's like a 120, 130-yard rusher a game. And then those receivers and stuff. Okay. Fine. Play that, you know, let's just tell me all about how bad the Rams are. I, I get it. Yeah. That does it for us here today on the Love the Star podcast. Uh, we will this, be, you know, as no, 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 not at all. Uh-huh. This is scrappy, Brian. We need, we need uh-huh. more of that. Uh, we will have uh, a preview of the Commanders. Also, a look ahead to uh, any of these moves that could be coming down the pike for the Cowboys. Obviously, they've got Lyle Collins. 
Uh, we'll see if they make any other decisions now as, as some of these players begin to clear waivers. Uh, but for Brian Broadus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again later.